Spirit and truth. I imagine I probably should be a little bit more concerned about the fact that I don't really have a solid, solid sermon today, but I like to talk, so I got that in my pocket. Um, I'm going to read some of John 4, which is going to set the tone for the things and thoughts that I had to share today. Um, and before I read that, and I kind of like the dialogue of having a sermon be a little bit more like a class myself, so spirit and truth. What does that mean, church? Anybody got any thoughts on what spirit and truth means? Gemma, you have thoughts on it? She was ready. Sadie, do you have thoughts on it? She said, I know what truth means. You tell the truth and what truth happens. Gemma said, what did you say? Gemma, the spirit is truth? Okay. Anybody, any adults want to answer that question? Samantha? That's a pretty good definition. What did Jesus say about kids? I didn't plan this. What did he say? What did he specifically say? He said, unless your hearts become like these little children, you won't see the kingdom of heaven, right? You won't be in. You're not in the club. Any adults want to answer? You can give me a childlike answer. I won't get mad. Kim. Oh, you did through Gemma. Good job. All right. Well, that kind of is the, the heart of what I wanted to talk about is, you know, I, I don't know if you, you guys follow Keith Lancaster on Facebook because, you know, I'm a big Keith Lancaster fanboy. He said, does the church have a heart problem? I think it does. I'm not here to make anybody feel uncomfortable. I know myself, I stand as a sinner before you. And I'm not the normal preacher against so you can't fire me. Um, but... Uh, you know, I'll tell you how I feel, and I think the church might have, we might have a heart problem on our hands. We could, maybe just with the way we direct our lives. Maybe with the way we look at worship, the way that we, we come and we don't participate sometimes. It's very easy for myself, very easy for me to get in it. If something bothers me, I kind of, mm, mm, you know? So that's kind of the issue I want to talk about today, and it, we'll see where it goes. Take, take away what you want to take away. But I'm going to start in John chapter 4, verse 16. We know the story. I'll give it a little preface. I don't want to read the whole thing. They have to, reluctantly, had to go through Samaria, right? Jews would not go through Samaria. They'd go around. They didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans because they're unclean, they're unpure, they worship in the wrong place, they're dirty, they don't care about the Jews, right? This is the normal stuff. So Jesus says, we're going to go through Samaria. The disciples are like, okay, cool, we're going to go get lunch. And Jesus is like, cool. And then he sits at this well, Jacob's well, it says in the scripture, that uh, was built there. And this is where the Samaritans worship. So I'll start in verse 16. The lady comes up to the, the well, right? Jesus says, hey, can you get me a drink of water? And she's like, you're a Jew. And he's like, well, yeah, I know. If you had asked me, I would have given you, I would have given you a drink that anyone who drinks of won't be thirsty again. So starting in verse 16, Jesus says, go call your husband. Tell him to come here. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right in that, saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you said is true. The woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Okay, she got that out of the way. What's her very first question then after that? We'll read. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. 
What does that imply? The question already, you know, she's skeptical, right? She's skeptical, but she says, yeah, you're a prophet, which is the same thing that Islam say, right? Jesus was a great prophet, but he never claimed to be the son of God, right? She says, you're a prophet. Probably what you're saying is true, because, I mean, I did have five husbands, right? But she's still in doubt. She doesn't believe that Jesus is Messiah right now, right? She's just talking to some guy, a Jew, that knows something about her. So Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you'll worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. So he went ahead and shut down that argument right there, right? He's like, the day's coming. It's not going to matter where you worship. Jerusalem, Mount Gerizim is where they are right now. It's not going to matter, right? <clears throat> but the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And that was the gist of what I was saying. You know, it goes on to talk. She goes on to run back to town, tell everybody about the man who knew everything about her. And the gospel is heard and received and acted on in Samaria. And many people come to know Jesus Christ. They come to hear his gospel, his message. And, you know, that kind of talks about Jesus when he healed somebody. And I believe it was back here in, uh, it's actually in John chapter 5. But one of my favorite things that I like to talk about when it comes to evangelism is asking people the question of when Jesus walked by the pool of Bethsaida and there was a bunch of beggars lined the alleyway, right? You know, the angel would come down, stir the water, and somebody jumped in there first, they got healed. And Jesus walks along all these people. I imagine it was probably, probably not lepers, but probably people that are blind, lame, crippled, missing body parts. And Jesus walks up to one guy and what does he say to him? Does he say, oh, here, I feel bad for you. Oh, do you want to go jump in the water? What does he say to him? He says, do you want to get well? And he's like, sir, I have nobody to put me in the water. He didn't even answer the question. But Jesus asked the question. Does Jesus ask questions because he doesn't know the answer? He knows the answer. So he knew that man wanted to get well, but he still asked him. And that's kind of the attitude I have for approaching, talking to people about Jesus. Do, do you want to get well? No, I'm fine. The demon-possessed man, right? Jesus gets in the boat with the apostles, goes across the lake. What does he go across the lake for? Goes across the lake to see that demon-possessed man. There's nothing else there. He's among the graves in the catacombs, fully naked, running around like a crazy person. Jesus goes down there, casts out the demons, throws them into the pigs out there. The pigs go in the water. The people come out and they say, who the heck is this guy? You know? And they're like, get out of here, Jesus. Go on. We don't want you here. What does he do? Jesus says, okay. Back in the boat and he's gone. The demon-possessed man says, let me come with you. He says, no, it's better you stay here so that these people can see what happened. They can believe that you've been healed, right? But Jesus went all the way over there to heal that guy. And when they said, get out of here, Jesus, he left. Just like Paul shaking the dust off his sandals. And I got a lot more slides to go through. I'm trying not to have a long talk today. Um, there was a song here. I was going to talk about this worship thing. And um, as Larry mentioned, next week's our community worship. And I would challenge church us to go. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you, you guys know how much I like acapella singing because I don't shut up. I talk about it all the time. But I'm willing to go worship with those people who we have common faith with. Because you know what? They're letting us participate. And if you hadn't been before, you wouldn't know that. But they let me lead a song there. And we had 250 people singing a cappella in a church of people that have never heard a cappella. They don't sing a cappella. They got a preacher guy that sits on a box and bangs the box and the drums. And I thought it was pretty neat. But it was beautiful to hear those voices united in song, united in one cause, united in worship. 
So I would encourage us, church, next week to go attend that. Step outside your comfort zone. And I picked a song here that I'm gonna, we're going to briefly go over as well as part of my sermon because I'm going to sing it next week. And we're going to sing it at that community worship as well. And the reason I picked this song is because it's actually from outside the body of the Church of Christ, but it has a very good chorus. Is anybody familiar with this song, Psalm 34, Taste and See? Courtney's like, yeah. So I'm just going to go through it slowly, and then we'll try to re-sing maybe the chorus once together. <clears throat> song goes like this. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me. From every fear. Same thing again. Those who look on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. Same pattern again. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies. The Son of God surrounds his saints. He will deliver them. He will deliver them. This is the best part of the song, in my opinion. We're going to go up here and ha. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Glorify the Lord with me. Come exalt sing it like this and the ladies we're going to sing it together and then the words are going to go because i'm just going to put words up there i'm going to do them in pink and then we're going to have all the men listen to the ladies sing let us bless the lord every day and night and then we're going to go through that once then we're going to do men let the ladies listen to men because what that's going to do is going to show people that aren't used to getting sung to by each other how pretty it can be to listen to the other part sing because they don't do that in the other churches. Honestly, they don't. They don't have split up parts. They don't sing to each other. So we'll simplify that next week. I'll get the slides dialed in for you. But that's enough for that for now. But the, the words of this chorus, right? When you sing it, when you proclaim it, when you produce the fruit of your lips and sacrifice to God the Father, what are we saying? It's an invitation to everyone else. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. 
right? Glorify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name forever. Magnify the Lord again. Same thing. It's a great message. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for what comes at the very end of time itself when we go to be with God the Father. Right, church? We're going to be with him. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be worshiping him just like one of the angels, like the angels that sing holy, holy, holy in the Revelation. <clears throat> so I got something here. I don't know if y'all have heard this. It's just pretty much a, a fun slideshow at this point. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. He gave the water. He gave the water. He gave the water. Anybody heard the song? He gave the water. He gave the water. He gave the water. And it was not from the well. Oh, Jesus. He gave the water. He gave the water. He gave the water. She came to the well to get some water, but there she met a stranger, and he did her story tell. She left my savior singing, and she came back to him bringing the time singing. she had living water, and it was not from the well. Oh, Jesus, he gave her water. He gave her water. Oh, my Jesus, he gave her water. He gave her water. Oh, water. Jesus, he gave her water. He gave her water. water, and it was not. Well, on that woman, he had pity. She ran back to the city. She cried, crying, glory, hallelujah. I'm gonna let his praises swell. Every time she doubted him, she'd stop to think about him. The man that gave her that living water, and it was not from the well. Oh, he gave her water. Gave her water. He gave her water. Jesus he gave her water. Gave her water. Rockefeller fanboy, so I had to put some shameless clips in there. So we're going to jump over to Hebrews 13, and I think this is Hebrews 13, verse 15, verse 14, I'm sorry. But... See if I can turn there to read if I missed anything. I didn't put all the passages in here because didn't do a lot of planning, unfortunately. Hebrews chapter 13. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Don't neglect to do good. And to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I feel like, at least when I was growing up, a lot of this thing was, you know, God, you know, we need to worship God. And a lot of times the attitude that I had growing up was like that we were compelled because God needed it. God doesn't need our worship. It's not going to make him better or more powerful. But he asks for it. And we, it's good for us. There's benefits for us as well if we worship God. Uh, Exodus 35, and then it kind of jumps around in 35 and 28, however, but this goes on. God's equipping people, and I've preached on this before. God's going into the Israelites, and he's picking people, and they're named people. And he says, I'm going to pick you. It says God picks them because of their skill, and then he fills them with his spirit. And then these, 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 these Israelites are able to craft things like the uh, ephod. They were able to build the Ark of the Covenant, right? And then... Um, he picked them with their pre-existing skills. And I kind of touched on this with Larry 
you've got skills and you've got gifts. And the guy that wrote the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, you know, woo, 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 woo. don't worry, right? He was in an interview one time, and they interviewed the guy, and he said, you're so gifted. You're so gifted. You're so good at singing. And he stopped the interview, and he said, I'm not gifted. I'm skilled. He said, because I, didn't, I wasn't born with this. He had to work on it. And there's a lot of folks that have gifts and can do things excellently. And, and like me, I had to work on it a lot to get up here in song lead, right? It was hard for me. I had to really put forth effort into getting where I was. But that's just a little contrast there. The God does equip people and help them learn and help them refine what they can do. In First Chronicles chapter 15, David appointed singers, worshipers, and musicians, right? We all know about that. Because he messed up on the Ark of the Covenant the first time, right? He put it on a cart, and the cart steadied, and Uzzah got killed, right? Because David wasn't following God's instruction to the, to the letter. So he's got it figured out now, and he's like, okay, we're going to bring it in the city. Let's get some singers. Let's get some harpists. Let's get some people playing the trumpet, right? He appoints all these people, and it says he appointed them in verse 22, 1 Chronicles 15. He appointed this person because he understood the music. He understood what to do, right? He understood how to make it better or how to make it all play out. So that's why he picked them. And I was going to sing another song because there's a phrase in this song that I really like. And it reminds me of Marching to Zion. I've probably talked about that song a lot of times, but do we all know, we don't know Isaac Watts is? Isaac Watts was part of the movement where the church itself switched from chanting psalms to singing right in about what was it 1720 i think it was but isaac watts said dad this church music's kind of blah we should do more singing and he said well if you're so smart and of course i'm paraphrasing it's not exactly how they talked in that time but he said if you're so wise and so smart write a song that we'll sing and he he wrote come we that love the lord and let our joys be known join in a song with sweet accord Join in the song, you got to sing church, right? That's what he wrote it to, because they wouldn't sing, they wouldn't participate. And then the second verse, let those refuse to sing who never know our God. Right? What is he saying? He's giving them the ultimate insult. If you're not willing to sing, you never knew my God. This was in the 1700s. Do we not have the same problem today? It's, it's just food for thought, right, church? Sharpen your pitchforks back there, Bill, huh? <laughs> so let's sing this song together. Let's sing it slowly. And I'm going to raise the pitch every verse. So we're going to go higher and higher until it's a little more upbeat. But the first verse is what I want to emphasize on this song. <clears throat> Lord, we come before thee now, and thy feet we humbly bow. Oh, do not shall we seek thee for
I think I copied and pasted that. Hebrews 10, this little excerpt starting in verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. How often do we extol each other, church, or encourage each other? I'm very thankful. Mr. Stark wanted to lead songs today. I like calling him Mr. Stark. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Stark stepped up and led songs. Bryce has stepped up and led songs. Dennis stepped up and did Bible class today. I was allowed to preach today. <laughs> I don't enjoy preaching. I told Larry last week, I said, I don't know if I want to preach, Larry. I've had a heck of a week. He said, will you let me know what's going on? And I kind of sat down and just plucked it out. I'm coming up on 30 minutes here. <laughs> but encouraging one another all the more. How many times do we tell people that? Dave, you always encourage me when you give a good communion talk. You put a lot of thought into it. You put a lot of effort into it. It shows. It shows you have a heart for God and a service for God. Bill, you do so much for the body here. We're so thankful to have you. How many people have you gotten stuck last year? You probably lost count. You know? I mean, encourage one another, right? Build us up. Build each other up. And the church will be so much better for it. We've gone so far. We've lost a lot of focus. Not just in our, this church here. In the world. I think we need to come back. Harold, like I said, the heart of worship. What do we do when we worship here? We tune our lips to sing the praise of God because we are a royal priesthood. Right, church? We're a royal priesthood aligned with the order of Melchizedek because we've been grafted in to the family, the family of the Jews, where salvation comes from. And we are royal priests that can offer up sacrifice. Do we go slaughter animals in the church, pour out the blood, sprinkle it on the communion table, and then burn the sacrifice, and then... We're going to go put a goat out in the field there and kill it for the sin of the you know, whole community. No. We offer up a sacrifice from us. We are the priests who offer sacrifice. That's what the Bible says. We offer up a sacrifice of our fruit of our lips. <clears throat> Ephesians 5. Um, I was thinking about reading the whole thing, but I'm going to read the slide. Look carefully then how you walk, not unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not get drunk with wine, that is, debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I was raised and told that we are commanded to sing. It says, sing and make melody in your heart. I was told that as a kid. I unlearned that to a degree. Not to say it's an excuse to not sing. But this passage of writing here, the commands in this passage are, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. The second one is, be filled with the Spirit. Those are the commands. And the verb conjugation in Greek is the only verb in there. It says, be filled with the Spirit. And if you are, comma, you address one another in Psalms, spiritual hymns, you make melody of the Lord in your heart. You give thanks always to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, and you submit to one another. But the command is to be filled. And I think the most effective way to be filled, church, with the Spirit, one of the most effective ways is to encourage one another in song. I don't know how many of you, you know, we, I think the next passage is where I'm going to go with this, so I'm going I'm to do something real fast before I forget. Um, 
Brother Thomas Wilson, he's the gentleman that we meet with in Lander with the young, young, uh, the high school age kids who we go have a devotion with his family, and then about 10 other kids or teenagers that don't attend the Church of Christ uh, or don't attend church at all. So we've had good success with that, but Thomas uh, was asked by Keith Lancaster to write about the benefits of singing. So there are some things here. I can't remember what order I put my slides in. Yes, there it is. Singing has its perks. And summarized, singing feels good. And I'm going to read you what he had to say about that. It actually alters our brain chemistry in ways that make us uh, more alert, less anxious, more relaxed, and optimistic. These effects are cumulative and long-term. One study found that singing increased feelings of well-being even more than talking with a friend about positive life events. Singing makes socializing easier. Group singing has been found to forge social bonds with remarkable quickness, creating an almost instant sense of belonging and togetherness. Research shows that people who sing together are better able to work creatively and experience less conflict. Group singing fosters trust, social cohesion, and cooperation. Three, singing can be a good way to cope with an overwhelming world. Excuse me. While music can provide a valuable break from the stresses of life, active musical participation is much more than escapism. Regular singing actually helps us engage more positively with the fallen world. Studies have shown that people who sing in choirs have stronger social networks, are more likely to vote, are less lonely, and more likely to contribute positively to their communities than non-singing people. But there's more. Singing on a regular basis actually strengthens our immune system, making us more resistant to some cancers. Singing can have huge benefits for our cardiovascular systems. It can make us smarter by strengthening neuron connections in the brain. Several studies indicate it can even prevent and reverse the effects of dementia. The emerging field of music therapy is so widely used to treat long-term depression, anxiety associated with aging, mental illness, traumatic brain injuries. Some studies even suggest that by toning our facial muscles and improving our posture, singing might make us better looking. <clears throat> See, Paul knew 2,000 years ago that science is finally catching up. Singing does everything that alcohol does, but in ways that strengthen rather than weaken, that build us up rather than tear us down. God never takes anything away without giving us something better. So the next time you find yourself wanting to lift a bottle, get together with some friends and lift your voices instead. You'll be better for it. He's a God of, there's much more to that article, but I don't know. I'll put this back in my pocket so I don't leave it up here. Um, have you all ever been to a nursing home? I mean, I think most of us have. Have you ever seen what happens to somebody who doesn't speak for five years and they hear a song they used to know? They start singing. That part of the brain is one of the strongest integral networks in the brain. And it happens all the time. You got, and then I'm like, what song are we going to sing? Maybe it's a Christmas song. Maybe it's a church song. Maybe it's a worldly song. I don't know. Rock and Robin. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Rock and Robin. Maybe that brews something up. But it's amazing what singing does. God's given us it as a gift. And he's told us to do it. He's told us to use it as sacrifice, use it as praise, use it towards those goals. Oh, I do have more slides than I thought. Okay. Psalm 5. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing for joy and spread your protection over them. Those who love in your name may exult in you. This is Psalm 20, 65, 149. May we shout for joy over our, your salvation. In the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. In Psalm 65. My soul will be satisfied with that fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. 
we recorded a song on this last Praise and Harmony recording. Uh, it's called Sing Wherever You Go. Um, I probably should have put that video on here. And they said, hey, we recorded this video. Take a video of you singing it wherever you are. So it starts out and there's people in the airport, you know, they're like, you know, they start the song and they're singing and then it changes to another person. And this guy's driving his car. And this guy's, this lady's, I think Autumn, Autumn was in there. She was in that video from uh, Montana who visits us. She's sitting on a park bench singing. And then there's this guy in a hang glider, like, he's got his glasses on and he's just singing. But it says even sing in your bed. Why does he lay down? Why does he rise as you go? Sing. Sing to the Lord with joy. First Corinthians, and this is, Dave touched on this this morning. But I, this is, you know, he touched on First Corinthians. But chapter 11. When we come in here, right? Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of our Lord. Let a person examine himself, then so that the bread and the drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, some have died. But if we judge ourselves and truly, we would not be judged. When we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we not be condemned along with the world. I think about a lot of things before I take the Lord's Supper. And a lot of times my mind's not where it needs to be, and I try to focus it and get it where it is during that time. Um, you know, maybe I'm not approaching this with joy. Maybe I've, I've lost my joy. And I was going to put more songs in here, right? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew and renew a right spirit within me, right? There's lyrics we sing all the time. But church, I mean, I can't, I can't answer that question for you, but have we lost some of our joy in worship? Have we lost it? I mean, it's so much easier to smile when we sing, too. <sighs> Merry Christmas. Right? What is it? Let's think of a church song. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumph. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Right? It's easier to smile and sing. It's easier to enunciate. Now, everybody in choir in here, we've got oohs and ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, you know. It's easier to smile. Your voice sounds better. But just as a, a facet to this, not only are we, we're talking about the body of Christ, right? But when we take that, that communion, so what, what are our thoughts? Do we, are we doing our best? Are we putting forth our best efforts in this area when we take communion? Think about Jesus' sacrifice. Think about what service is done to the body of Christ. Just food for thought. I was going to say, so we're leading up to a song at the end of the uh, sermon here, which I'm close. Well, can anybody place these lyrics in a song? I sure hope we can. I'll say it with no lyricism. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. Yeah, what do those lyrics say, though? Walking with the Lord, light of his word. That's John 1.1, 1, 1, 100%. What a, a glory. Can't even, can't even type. <laughs> what a glory he sheds on our way, right? While we're doing his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. And then I think the third verse is here. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and blessing he bestows. Sometimes it's real easy to sing right over the song. We're just going to sing right over it. And when we slow it down. But we never can prove. The delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. Just a reminder, church, to 
Focus on what you're saying, because when you are saying it, you are offering God something. Are we offering God something not worthy? Not the first of? Let's think about, I chastised Harold for this the other day, because he did the heart of worship thing, and he said the first usage of the word worship was later in Genesis, but the first worship in the Bible was what? Does anybody know? Kids aren't raising their hands anymore. I've gotten too long. Does anybody know the first instance of worship in the Bible was? Hmm? <laughs> no. It's earlier. Bingo. The word worship's not in there, right? But what? how did Cain and Abel know to bring sacrifices to God? We don't know. Somebody brought something better and somebody didn't like it and he just whacked him with a rock and killed him. So it just begs the question, from the creation, just virtually kicked out of the garden, we were offering worship to God. We were offering sacrifice. Just an ex a reminder to examine yourself, church. I have to do it too. I went to Texas, came back with a different perspective on what I wanted to, I wanted to come back and say, oh, church, uh, we need to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about him saving us. But just remind ourselves, as we worship together as a body, what we bring should be good, should be our best. We should put effort into it, at least some. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a question you have to ask yourself. But to me, I do my best to bring as much as I can. I do my best to pick songs that may bring us close to God based on the words and the lyrics and the timing. And uh, I don't know how many times you have a sermon with an ending, you know. You say, church, let's get out there. Let's evangelize the, the whole world. And, and we're going to do this and that. And then we sing, king of my life. Sad song. Think about what we're bringing forth. Sing with, with vigor. Sing with joy. Sing with like you're a sacrifice. Sing like you're worthy to be called a royal priest. Like you are the Levite offering the sacrifice. The whole kingdom of Israel is rejoicing and everything else, and you're bringing the sacrifice before the altar. That's us now. That's us now with our praise, with our lips. But in conclusion, I will say maybe if you need somebody to talk to about it or if you want to come beat me up, I'll be in the parking lot. But, um, you know, examine ourselves, church. Is there something that, is there a question that you need to ask to someone, maybe that you're comfortable with, somebody you're not comfortable with, about Jesus, about salvation, about worship, about whatever it is? You know, I would encourage you to seek an answer to that question. Seek Jesus Christ. Seek salvation. And if you don't have, don't be afraid to ask the questions, church. If there's something holding you up. If there's somebody that needs a question and answer, they just can't get over this one thing. I just don't believe Jesus died on the cross. He was resurrected. I think it was all set up or whatever it is. Just be conscious of that. Ask those questions because we'll find you some answers. I believe in absolute truth, and I believe that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will, if you seek him, he will come and find you. So let's stand and sing together, church.